This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres. Here with Money Mike Gilchrist and not Steve the Oracle Demblaker. Unfortunately, today he will not be able to join us. So it's back to the classic crew, me and Money Mike talking sports, talking shit. Money Mike, how have you been during this offseason, these last three or four weeks or so you've had to yourself? I've been doing good. I've been doing good. Been watching a lot of Celtics basketball because Syracuse basketball is so depressing that I primarily focused on the Celtics. Like if the Celtics and Syracuse are playing at the same time, I'm like, ah, I'm going to watch Boston because they'll probably win. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's always more fun to watch your teams win. But uh, any other personal notes that you'd like to share with another damn sports podcast? You're getting jacked these days, right? Going to the gym. You tell me. <laughs> Look um, at that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I've just been trying to keep a more uh, disciplined fitness routine. It's harder sometimes with, like, the weather. Uh, like, on, like, the really bad snowy days, it's like I just kind of want to get out of work and go home. But, yeah, I've been trying to keep a more consistent routine, and I'm focusing more on doing a lot of, like, heavy weightlifting on some days. And then other days I do a lot of, like, reps with lower weights and really trying to focus on um, getting my back stronger because I've always had some, like, back pain in, like, my mm. lower back, so I'm trying to strengthen that up. So yeah, I'm just, uh, I've been, and I, I, I gave up soda for Lent, so I am trying to get it as healthy as possible. There you go. Look at this guy making changes in his life to better himself. Money Mike, always a visionary. Uh, shout out to the visionary in the chat, Sir Burrito Bandit, joining us once again, the most supportive watcher of another damn sports podcast at twitch.tv slash Uncle Drew 15 with a K. He asks, has Steve specifically enjoyed the Red Sox during spring training? spring training i think he means mike or he's making a joke one or the other but he says they're looking good so far yeah yeah they're looking good i i i i I, it's the thing with like preseason stuff it's it's hard to get too excited about anything you see there because it's not the real thing but yeah for a while they they hadn't lost a game they went like nine and oh to start off and then they've lost like three of the last four so you know (laughs) i was concerned because one of our players got hit in the face with a baseball and had to get 16 stitches put in which is never fun um, but oh, I, as a you know, huge baseball fan, I can't wait for opening day. And this year, I'm actually off on opening day, so like I'm really excited about that. So I get to relax and watch some baseball. And uh, the Red Sox open the season against the Baltimore Orioles, so I would hope that we could start off with a W. Better than last year. Last year, we lost to the Yankees in extra innings, and it was heartbreaking. But you know, whatever. Yeah, it's a rough fuck way to Yankees. start the season. <laughs> yeah, fuck the Yankees. Uh, well, no, I actually don't really care. I support the Yankees for burrito, but. Um... Have the, have the or oracles? Jeez, I got oracle on the mind because of Steve. Uh, the Orioles have they always just been the laughing stock of the Red Sox and Yankees division? Like, have they ever been in contention to win that division? They've won the division, uh, you know, a few times over the years in terms of like, and by the years I mean like thirty years. Um, <laughs> it was actually a really funny segment. They won the division back like in two thousand fifteen or sixteen. And their players said something like, "We're going to be as do- going years going forward. We're going to be as dominant as the Yankees and have more enthusiastic fans than Fenway Park." And it was just kind of laughable. Like I, I talked to a Yankee fan friend about it, and I was like, "Yeah, this one year that they're good, and they're just like, they, they, they think they're the greatest thing ever, and they haven't won since. You know, they uh, haven't done anything since <laughs> that year. And I think they were knocked out in, like the first round. So yeah, they were really good back in like the '70s, but really since then, no, they're like the joke of the division. It's like, yeah, Baltimore." Baltimore, man. See, they jinxed themselves, man. You got a little too confident, a little too big for your britches, and now they're back to the basement where they belong, and they have been for a long time. But all right, well, uh, we'll talk. uh, So I guess I'll ask one more question about baseball, and then we'll move on to some football talk here because a lot of things have happened so far in this NFL offseason. Just yesterday, uh, teams were allowed to extend their contracts to a number of different free agents and kind of shake up the NFL world as a whole. But uh, Burrito, I'm sure he's curious. Have you been watching the World Baseball Classic at all, Mike? Uh, actually, no, I have not. I, I have I've been too busy with some other stuff, so I haven't really tuned into uh, the World Baseball Classic. But um, I, I hope that uh, I hope Red Sox players are showing well out there. <laughs> Say that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And uh, Burrito just said, "Perfect game in the World Baseball Classic by Puerto Rico," which is hype. You know, shout out to Puerto Rico. Shout out to my people. Uh, yeah. it's fantastic, but sounds like it's a fun one. Burrito has been following it and telling me all about it. So 
Nice. Sports are a plenty these days, but we'll move on to the free agency stories, and we're going to start with our boy Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah, bringing home the bag. You should call him Danny Moneybags now after the contract that he signed. Now, Money Mike, do you have the numbers off the top of your head, or do I have to look? Yeah, so it's a, a four-year, hundred sixty million dollar contract with eighty-two million guaranteed. Ooh, well, 82 million. Okay. So that's not like groundbreaking stuff with the 82 million guarantee, but the 160 million is a lot of money. Now, I think everybody listening is ready to hear your thoughts because this is a lot to to pay a guy who's technically had one successful season, right? Yeah. So here I have a lot of thoughts on this. So bear with me, folks. Um, so the thing about this this whole contract negotiation, I was actually very surprised at, I mean, the reports of Daniel Jones's attitude during this whole thing about how he was wanting more than $45 million. And then it came out that, that wasn't true, but it actually is true. Um, you know, A, he switched agents. And, you know, you kind of saw, because he's always been very, he says everything right at the press conferences. He's, you know, a good uh, player who works hard. So you didn't think that he was really going to be that hard of a player to sign. Like they were going to, and he hadn't had a lot of success. So it was like, okay, they're going to, if they offer him anything like within the mid thirties, he's probably going to take it and he's going to be fine. He'll probably be a guy who takes a team friendly deal. That wasn't seeming to be the case. It seemed like he was really, and he, at the, his last interview of the season, he goes, well, there is a business side to this. And then I was like, oh, okay. So he actually might be going hard here. And, um, Look, from a human standpoint, I get it because you want to make as much money as you possibly can for yourself and for your family. And this guy has endured the New York media for the last three, four years, and they were pretty shitty to him for most of that time. So I bet he was looking to get his money, and I don't blame him for that. Um, and from the Giants' standpoint of signing him, the money that they ended up doing, because I heard that they had offered him somewhere between 35 and 39, and, he, and they didn't take it. Um, and so they settled on 40. And everybody was, te- you know, my phone blew up when Daniel Jones got signed. Everybody was texting, <laughs> oh, that's too much money for him. Oh, you know, what do you think about this? Here's my argument for why it was a good thing for them to sign Daniel Jones to this. Okay, number one, um, if you pick him up on the franchise tag, you have to owe him $33 million anyway. And let's say he's even better than he was this year, because everyone can admit he improved a lot from what we've seen in his first three seasons. He didn't turn the ball over nearly as much. He only had five interceptions on the whole year. He was running the ball well and scoring touchdowns that way. He was passing way more efficiently, completing 67% of his passes. Uh, he had one of the highest QBRs in the league in terms of uh, for quarterbacks. And he performed really well in the games that really mattered the most, in that comeback against Green Bay in London, in the clinching game against the Colts, in the playoff game against Minnesota. He played absolutely fantastic. And so if Daniel Jones were to build on that on the franchise tag and you wanted to sign him next year, he was going to be more expensive because the market was going to continue to move. And he, you would have had to pay him more than what you're paying him now. So that's number one. Number Holy two. Holy shit. Look, it's not all guaranteed money. And it's if really, if he ends up really like falling from where he finished last year, you're only really committed to him for like two years. So there's that as well. And, um, you know, the, the whole goal of this was to keep both him and Saquon Barkley. They wanted to reach deals with both of them. And I think having to pay Daniel Jones the 40 million prevented them from being able to get a contract with Saquon. So they had to use a franchise tag on him. but you always have to prioritize a quarterback over a running back 10 times out of 10. That's always the case. And I liked where Daniel Jones was with Brian Dayball after last season. And you have all of the coaches are staying. None of them got head head coaching jobs. So you have Brian Dayball as head coach. Um, you have uh, Kafka's as offensive coordinator. And uh, you have um, Wink Martindale as the defensive coordinator. So I'm excited to see what direction, the direction the Giants continue to go in. And uh, they've added some pieces already and they've signed some key guys. Um, so I'm really excited about the direction the New York Giants are going, and I really am. There you go. Well, that's fantastic. That at the end of the day, that's the most important thing is feeling positive about where your team is going to go. Um... <laughs> okay, here we go. So we uh, shout out to my brother's friend Madden. He just subscribed to the channel. Thank you very much. And he has an interesting th- thing to say here. And this is probably along the same lines of what you heard when this news was first shared. He says, Jimmy G, way cheaper. Instead, you paid for two running backs because that is what Jones is. <laughs> Man, people got their opinions for, about Daniel Jones. I love it. But uh, let me get my thoughts before you give your rebuttal. Daniel Jones, definitely, it definitely seems like they, continuity was the name of the game here, right? They feel like they built something really well this past season. They were able to 
greatly exceed expectations. They were successful. They ended up winning a playoff game, something that nobody ever expected them to do um, throughout last season. And they did that without much, uh, without any help at the wide receiver position. The team was incomplete, and they were still able to find success. If they didn't pay Daniel Jones, they went with someone else. They're essentially just starting all over, right? Because your your quarterback really drives the direction that your team goes in. Um, so I can understand the continuity aspect, and let's just face it. These quarterbacks are going to be overpaid no matter what. With every, it doesn't, if they show any shred of being a guy, whether it's an elite guy or just a guy that's a Kirk Cousins that's going to get you a, a, some wins and get you a playoff win every once in a while. They're going to pay you. And that that's because at the end of the day, any type of court guy that's a quarterback can get hot, and they're hoping that Daniel Jones will be able to be that guy in the playoffs. So I, I get it. It's a little bit of a risk, but you got to work with what you got, right, Mike? Yeah, and also the Giants aren't in a position to draft a guy. There wasn't a free agent on the market that I felt like was really better than Daniel Jones. I know, look, Aaron Rodgers is better than Daniel Jones, but Aaron Rodgers was not going to go to the fucking New York Giants. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. Um, Derek Carr. Is Derek Carr better than Daniel Jones? I, I, I think they're kind of the same. I mean, really, I mean, Derek Carr yeah, probably has a stronger arm and uh, is more exp- has more explosive plays with his arm, but he can't run as well as Daniel Jones can. That's for damn sure. And he turns the ball over more than Daniel Jones does in Dable's offense. So, and I, I'd like Daniel Jones more than Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt all the time. Yeah, he's cheap because he's not reliable. <laughs> so, and then yeah. uh, like who who else was out? There? Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan's now been released. It's like, come on, like so. Ugh. Yeah, Dan, you know, Dan, Daniel Jones. Yes, is he being paid more than his his talent? I think Daniel Jones's talent is probably worth somewhere between twenty eight and thirty two, and we're paying him forty. But you know, that's kind of what the market is. And like I said before, if he finds success, continued success in this offense, and only gets better from here. Mm-hmm. Then if we didn't sign him, we were going to have to pay him more than $40 million. And who knows where this is all going to go with Lamar Jackson, if he's going to get that fully guaranteed contract. And then that's going, is that going to become the norm for quarterbacks? Fully guaranteed contracts? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so really, you, you pay him now. Yeah, you take a little bit of a risk. But again, this was his first year with Brian Dable, and he had such great success. And he has similar skill sets to a quarterback that one of the reasons why they hired Brian Dable to work with Daniel Jones. He's similar to Josh Allen. I know Bills fans are like, no, he's not. No, he size-wise, athleticism-wise, he's pretty damn similar. He doesn't jump over people like like Josh Allen does. But last year he didn't make the mistakes that Josh Allen made. Right? So, but, if he yeah. can if he can develop and become a Josh Allen type in terms of the successful plays that Dan, that Josh Allen makes, then the New York Giants might have uh some really fun years to come with Daniel Jones. Yeah. So again, you know, he he's not going to be someone who jumps off the stat sheet. At least he didn't hasn't didn't do that last year. I said that multiple times on this show, but he wasn't the reason we lost games. He never was the reason we lost a game last year. Right? Yeah, no. he wasn't so, turning the ball over. They're, it really what they're doing is they're investing in him and hoping that he can make another jump compared to this past jump that he was able to make as well. And, uh, and today you we have, you have we traded the first. What's that? You have to take risks. You know, when you're yeah. in this position. Yeah, and today and today the Giants traded their third round draft pick for uh, Darren Waller from the uh, I keep calling them the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, they were able to franchise tag Saquon Barkley, so you have him for next year. Um, they were able to, you know, they signed both Sterling Shepard and Hodgins, uh, who had Hodgins had great chemistry with Daniel Jones when they picked him up late in the year. So he's a great guy to still have on your roster. You have Waller now, but you also have Bellinger, who was a great tight end uh, to be a number two tight end for Daniel Jones. Um, they Sterling Shepard, unfortunately, got hurt early in the year, but he has known Daniel Jones for years, so there's chemistry there. Um, Wandell Robinson, our you know our second or third round draft pick from last season, he's going to be back. He was and he played in two or three games this year. Um, he unfortunately was dealing with injuries, but he was really good for Daniel Jones in the games that he did play in. So. I think the Giants will use a draft pick of at wide receiver at number pick 25. And uh, yeah, again, I just like the direction that we're going in. I really do. Cause this is going to be, this is gonna be the first time in Daniel Jones career. Also that he has the same head coach and offensive coordinator back to back years. He has not had that since he started. Yeah. So, and, and also the Cowboys have only made really one signing. It was Stefan Gilmore. Ooh, it's not Stefan Gilmore from five years ago. I'm real scared. And the Eagles have lost a bunch of people. And Washington's Washington, so I like where we are in the division. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's good. It's good to feel good. I mean, you guys 
you got a wild card spot last year, so you're hoping for either that or more. This couple. One of our holds on defense was was linebacker, and we just signed a veteran. And, I, and again, I, I'm horrible at pronouncing names. Okurki from Indianapolis. Is that how you pronounce it? Bobby Okurki. I have no idea. I was in your division. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know every single player from the AFC South. But uh, nope. So shout out to your Giants. They're making some moves. Darren Waller. I think it's going to be a good pickup as long as he stays healthy. And Saquon being able to hang on to him. I think it's going to be huge. Uh, obviously, hanging on to or paying a ton of money to running backs, no matter who it is, is something that's just really hard to justify these days. Um, obviously, for an offense and team like the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey seemed to make an immediate impact, a huge impact on them. But it really just doesn't seem like you can win consistently with just a really good running back. A really good running back needs a lot around him to be able to be successful. So I can see why teams aren't investing as much money as they used to into that position. Well, like a team that you despise, the Tennessee Titans have had Derrick Henry for years. He's been their best player, yeah. but that hasn't really gotten them far. And yeah. now they're really well, they did get to an AFC championship once, so I'll give them that. But yeah, they, they haven't been able to make a Super Bowl or even really sniff one, so. I just don't know if it's the right investment. But we'll move on here from the Giants here. Talk very quickly about my Jacksonville Jaguars. Actually, an offseason so far that has been very quiet, which is something that really the Jaguars haven't really experienced as a plate because they're always trying to rebuild their team through free agency and through the offseason. This year, there was really two big stories. Obviously, Calvin Ridley was reinstated by the NFL after getting in trouble, big trouble, for gambling on NFL games. Uh, coincidentally, it was a Jacksonville game. Uh, he is now back in the NFL, and he says with Trevor Lawrence, he'll be able to average 1,400 yards a year a season, which is actually the, the yardage total he had the year before he ended up going out as well, being a top 10 receiver in the league. So I am very much hope, hoping that he's able to come back to form in that way. There's a lot of questions. The man has not played football, and I believe it's two or three years. So it, it, it has to there has to be a kind of a reacclimation process, but that's why you have guys like Christian Kirk, like Zay Jones, and like Evan Ingram here, who you see in this picture is catching a ball from Trevor Lawrence, and he will continue to do so for at least the next year as he has been franchise tagged by the Jacksonville Jaguars. It sounds like uh, the the contract negotiations weren't able to get to the level for Evan Ingram to be able to commit to a long-term deal. So I'm guessing he's going to come into the season and try and prove himself once again. And hopefully either the Jaguars afterwards will pay him a bunch of money or a different team will take him as well. But as a Jaguars fan, I'm happy with how our offense is going to look coming into the season. Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Travis Etienne at running back, and Ingram at tight end, all surrounding Trevor Lawrence, who has been booning. I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, the best I have felt as a Jacksonville Jaguars fan coming into a new season that I ever have, honestly. Like, like <laughs> that's how bad that things have been. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it helps that your division's so terrible that the Colts aren't good. The Texans are mm -hmm. rebuilding and the Titans just kind of fell apart at the very end of the season and they're still kind of regrouping there. So it's like you're kind of in a strong position and a lot of people are thinking the Jaguars are going to have like a Cincinnati Bengals type bounce like up in, in terms of being a threat in the AFC. Uh, maybe those people are just me, but I think that they, <laughs> I think that what, you know, this is a window of time that they really have to take advantage of because they don't have to pay Trevor Lawrence yet that huge quarterback money. And you have to take advantage of that while you can, because a lot of teams that went really far last year were teams that were on rookie quarterback deals. Except for the team you know, that won it all, you know? Yeah, but he took a team friendly deal. Like, that's, oh, yeah, that's, he did. You know, like, come on. <laughs> like, he didn't take, he's, he's not on a fully guaranteed contract. Like, like, like freaking Deshaun Watson and Cleveland. <laughs> Jesus. That is um, going to, that is already blown up in their face, hasn't it? I mean, it's not only blowing up in their face in terms of like, he wasn't good when he came back, but also it's put every owner under fire because Lamar Jackson's trying to get this. And like, here's the thing. If Lamar Jackson gets that contract, then someone else is going to get that contract and it's going to become a thing. And I think that's why. And I'm sure they have, even if they say they haven't. I'm sure the owners have called each other and said, hey, nobody pay this guy a fully guaranteed contract, so we don't have to do it, too. You yeah, know, they it, probably it, don't want to set the precedent. No. Give the players it, it, that power. It's it's no different than, like, you know, so, you know, I obviously, anybody who knows me knows I sell cars. And dealerships during the pandemic started selling its sticker. And I think there was kind of, like, an understanding among even competitive dealers, like, don't be that asshole who goes under sticker, because then we all have to do it again. No, you know, yeah. and so, so, so I, 
I'm not uh, in the management or I'm not even a general sales manager. So I'm not in those conversations. I don't know if those conversations ever took place, but I'm sure that that's kind of like the mutual like understanding. I'm sure those owners in the NFL are the same way when it comes to fully guaranteed contracts. Like, Hey, don't let Cleveland's stupidity make the rest of us pay all these guys a bunch of money. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, I... you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, but going back to the Jaguars real quick, um, where are they in the draft in terms of, and what are you hoping that they go after? I think they're, they're right around where the giants are, right? Aren't they like 24, 23 or something like that? Yeah, I, I actually don't. I feel like I should know this, but I don't. Um, no, let me see if I can pull up the list. Yeah. Very quickly. Uh, burrito Banda has a, has a question for you specifically, Mike. All right. He's, well, it's not a question. It's a statement. He says, I'll give you 20 bucks and some Oreos for a Corvette. How's that sound? Uh, no. <laughs> um, I'm not even. I'm not even a big fan of Oreos. Um, so, uh, I I have it right here. So actually, our three teams on this podcast all pick back to back to back. So the Vikings pick at 23, the Jags pick at 24, and the Giants pick at 25. Look at that! I, I guess somehow the Giants ended up having a better better record than than the Jaguars, huh? That that's why they ended up getting the later pick. Uh, I I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how that works, but. Um, no, it's it, it's going to be interesting who they pick. Where, where do you want of, them to go? Yeah, that that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking uh, secondary. Our corners are we, we have one solid corner in Ty, Tyson Campbell, but one of the big things we did this off season was cut Shaquille Griffin. Um, we signed him a couple years ago from the Seahawks, and he has not been good. So I can see why they cut him. That saved a lot of cap space, but that we we don't have a good corner opposite Tyson Campbell. So I think that's probably where they're going to go if there's a guy available. There's always a possibility for an offensive lineman or even a defensive lineman because those guys are always in play. Because you, Especially since the Chiefs also ended up signing our best offensive lineman from last year, Juwan Taylor. They ended up signing him to an $80 million deal. I don't think he's worth that much money, so I was actually kind of fine with that. Um, with the guy we have filling in behind him is going to be just fine. Um so there, there's a lot of options. There's not like one set thing, kind of like with the Giants, where you're you're confident that the, they're going to take a receiver. Yeah. But all right. Speaking of receivers, we'll move on very quickly. Talk about Steve's Minnesota Vikings. Nothing too huge from the news uh, over this this off season. The two big things that I was able to see was that Adam Thielen and Patrick Peterson are both moving on. Patrick Peterson looks like he might have a deal signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Meanwhile, Adam Thielen has not signed with the team yet. But, Mike, I think this just shows, man, the NFL moves quickly. There are are players that have been staples for years that will just randomly one year just find themselves on the free agency market uh, being released by a team. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, it's a business and it's a what have you done for me lately business. And they always go for younger, faster, more productive. So, unfortunately, you know, that's what it is. And sometimes it feels cold, but that's just the way it goes. I know he said in the off season that he wanted to stay in Minnesota, um, like during Super Bowl week when he was on like radio shows and things like that. But um, yeah, that's um, it's unfortunate, but I, I will say he's a guy that I've been eyeing for the giants in terms of adding a veteran presence uh, on the team. I would like to have Adam Thielen play with us, but when it comes to uh, uh, Peterson, he uh, also said he wanted to stay in Minnesota, but you know, he's going to the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mike Tomlin, who's a defensive guy. I'm sure he's going to thrive there. And uh, I know Steve hates to, you, you and I are always more positive about the Steelers. I think the Steelers are going to be a lot better this this upcoming year. And he's going to help them to do that. There's also a player, for, I, I, his name escapes me, but there was a linebacker for the Vikings who wanted out, uh, oh. requested to be released. And he signed with the Chargers today. Interesting. Um, I did not see that. Well, we yeah. have a, a Vikings fan in the chat, actually, because he said, we got Flores. We did talk about the Brian Flores uh, hiring on the last podcast, Madden, so better check that out. But, uh, all right, and we had his replacement on the roster with K.J. Osborne. Yeah, that's right. K.J. Osborne, pretty solid receiver for you guys. Let me see. Vikings linebacker, is it Anthony Barr? No. Uh, uh, Kendrick. That, oh, scroll down. Oh, you can see? Oh, yeah, Doc, you can see my screen. Yeah, <laughs> Eric Kendrick. Eric Kendrick. Yes. 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 Okay. There you go. Yep. That's a big name as well. So, um, all right. So two big pieces lost on the defense. That was already one of the, the low lesser defenses in the league. Um, it's going to be interesting, but hopefully bringing in Flores will be able to help you help the Vikings out on that side of the ball. 
my only concern with the Minnesota Vikings is they've been that, you know, every team kind of has an identity and a narrative to them in some capacity, you know, in the NFL story, uh, the giants are that team that randomly wins Super Bowls every, you know, 10 to 20 years. Um, the bills are that team that can never win the Super Bowl, you know, things like that. The Vikings to me have always been that team that like they have an up year and then they have a down year and then they're up and then they're down and they're up and they're down. And I, I know Steve has shook his head in agreement when I've said this on the show before. So the fact that the Vikings had a really up year last year, Leads me to believe that next year is going to be a down year. I could be wrong, but I have that feeling. <laughs> He's following the trend. No, that's fair. That is entirely fair. And for uh, both Steve and Madden's sake, hopefully that's not the case. Uh, moving on to the aforementioned Buffalo Bills here. Uh, the two biggest stories that at least I remember seeing in the news, let me know if I'm wrong, is Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Poyer, both out as Buffalo Bills, two staples of the great defense that they've had over these past few years. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds being obviously the linebacker that was great against the run, uh, was able to really bolster that uh, uh, Bill's defense from the linebacker position than Jordan Poyer, who really just fit the Buffalo culture uh, more than any other player. Uh, he's going to be moving on as well, one of the best safeties in the league, in my opinion. So two big losses to the Bill's defense. Uh, Money Mike, does this solidify your prediction that they will not win the AFC East next year? Oh, that is pending the, the that is pending the news in New York or, yes. or New Jersey for you Bills fans. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, uh, did Jordan Poirier sign with anybody? Because I know that um, Edmund signed with the Bears. Edmund signed with the Bears for a lot of money too. Uh, yeah. Jordan Poirier, I don't think he has signed with anybody. I haven't seen anything. I heard he might be going to Miami, which would be pretty funny. That would be hilarious. What? <laughs> would I mean, suck. just from a person, just from a personal standpoint, uh, if I were in this in, in an NFL player's shoes, you're going from playing in Buffalo, New York, to Miami, Florida. That sounds like a good trade in terms of where you're living. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, I'm sure he would definitely enjoy the change of scenery there. But we'll, we'll but see the other news, of the, the other oh, news of the Bills, real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, is uh, Josh Allen and Von Miller reconstructed uh, their contracts to make mm -hmm. it more friendly for the team, so the team could add pieces, which. Look, I, I always shit on the Bills, but I actually like that they did that because that just shows that they really do want to win. Mm -hmm. um, and I just feel so awful for them because I know that they won't. So it's like, you know. <laughs> He's confident. He's confident. Good for them, but 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 it's it's going it, it, to – misguided effort. <laughs> yes. Yes, misguided effort. Well, we'll talk here now about the biggest NFL free agent news story. And that is Mr. Aaron Rodgers here on the left. He is pictured next to Kenny Pickett and his small hands. Like you said, the Steelers probably on the up and up, at least should be a little bit better next year. But we're going to talk about the man on the left because there are some rumblings that he may end up being a New York Jet. He might be joining the AFC East and will face the Bills two times a season. First time moving on from the Green Bay Packers, first time seeing him in a different jersey potentially. But it sounds like he is making the process difficult. Shocker, oh, right, Mike? Shocker. <laughs> yeah, 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 very shocking. He is reportedly presented a list of free agents that the Jets must go after before he will sign with them as their new quarterback. Um, why does everything with Aaron Rodgers, Mike, have to be so difficult? You know, it's, it's, it's the ego. It's his ego. I, you know, I don't understand it either. And I think that, you know, to, to Aaron's defense, it did say that he, these are the free agents he wants them to try to go after. It, it did use the word try. Yeah. So, you know, he can't be mad at the Jets if they don't sign these people or they, you know, he would only be upset if they don't go after these guys. Now, again, it's kind of really insulting to the Jets roster as a whole that he's like, well, I want to come in with my boys. And I think, you know, part of that is he, he would probably think of himself as on Tom Brady's level. And Tom Brady went into Tampa Bay and brought in, you know, Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown. And there were people that Tom Brady wanted specifically that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't end up getting. I'm sure he regretted the Antonio Brown part of it, but that's neither here nor there. So, look, Aaron Rodgers, uh, these guys flew out to his home. And, you know, he's basically, he's, he's kind of dangling both the Green Bay Packers and the Jets. Now, I am notorious on this show for using relationship analogies given that I'm the relationship expert on this show but it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers is kind of like the person that you really are hoping that you get a chance to date like they're they've been in a relationship for a long time but you're kind of like on the sidelines hoping that they break up so that you the get a chance the window is open right Mike the window is open and and he keeps you on the hook 
he keeps you on the hook and he's just yeah. that person who teases you makes you think that he would want you but he still thinks so little of you uh, that you're like you know you're, you're all you want to do is please this person when all actuality is he's a 38 fucking year old guy who's only going to be playing for a year or two maybe more <laughs> and, and here's the thing if the jets sign him which i think that they will i think that this deal is a done thing yeah um and he's going because I don't think Green and I, I think Green Bay doesn't want him. Green Bay's like that that soon to be ex boyfriend girlfriend who's like good yeah good luck with him good luck with her you know like he, they're your problem now. Like I think I, that's I think what the thirty eight year old guy I think that's where the analogy fell off. <laughs> well yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no no so, so he yeah Aaron Rodgers is uh he's and you know what he's gonna do if he signs with the Jets or gets traded to the Jets next year when the year ends he's gonna be dangling them again saying oh i don't know if i want to play next year it's just like fuck you yeah seriously fuck you yeah he's just I mean, dominating look, he's, the he's, NFL he, he is he's still he's 38 but he's still a phenomenal player i think he could still play at a high level and i think that if he were to play for the jets that would make them a formidable favorite to not only win their division but to be up there competing for the afc with cincinnati and kansas city and buffalo uh, so I, I think that it would be a great move for him. He certainly would have a better chance there than in Green Bay because the Green Bay, I don't think their roster is really that great. So, yeah. and and the Jets are that notorious quarter one quarterback away team, right? I mean, they have pieces everywhere. Uh, their receiving core could be a little bit stronger, but everything else is, is set. So I well, think well, if, if Aaron Rodgers was to sign with the Jets, they definitely would be contenders for the AFC East title. And I think Bills fans would agree too. Yeah, well, I think that the Jets, you know. And you and I can sympathize with them because you and I are both in our respective families, the little brother. And the Jets are the little brother in the New York City area when it comes to football teams. They are not as they don't are not as successful as the Giants. They're not as respected as the Giants. Um, they're like that little brother who's just trying to prove themselves. And this move would really make them very respectable um, as long as Aaron Rodgers buys in and, you know, is not a piece of shit on the team. <laughs> but that's a big if but you know look the, I, again i think that the jets were able to beat the bills last year without aaron Rodgers. so adding aaron Rodgers would make them you know be very formidable and i think that if uh the dolphins make some moves they are still going to be good new england is not is probably the fourth best team in the division if aaron Rodgers is on the jets but new england's still gonna be a team that's a thorn in your side and a pain in the ass every game you play them because they're coached by bill belichick so it's going to be very, very interesting. Yes. AFC East is once again going to be one of the most interesting divisions in football. And part of that is because Jalen Ramsey has signed with the Miami Dolphins. Or he was traded. Back in Florida. He's traded he's to in, the Miami. He's yeah. back in Florida, folks. Yeah, he's also black in Florida, like you said. I um, meant to say back. I misspoke. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you're wrong. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> but uh, the... Um, no, it's going to be interesting for him to come back to Florida. Obviously, he went to Florida State. He also played for the Jacksonville Jaguars for a number of years. And now he's going to be uh, added on to a team in the Miami Dolphins that if they are able to shore up the quarterback position, they can also be a contender for the AFC East title. It's just whether Tua Tagovailoa is going to be healthy, right? I mean, he's coming off of three concussions in a season, and clearly that was affecting his health. It affects his future prospects. But if he's able to turn it around and get back to old, to the form that he was showing prior to the bad concussions that he got last season, then this team could certainly be formidable, right, Mike? I think so. And I, I, I thought they'd be one of those teams that would go after Lamar Jackson. But again, I think that nobody wants to pay him that fully guaranteed contract, which is what he wants. Um, so uh, I thought that if they added him, that was going to make Miami the best team in the AFC East. Um, maybe. Uh, and I, 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 <laughs> He sucks, but I think that they should go after Matt Ryan as a backup. <laughs> to have him behind Tua if they're going to be stuck with Tua. And not stuck with Tua, because Tua, when Tua starts, he actually plays pretty well, and the Miami wins when he's when he's playing yeah. and he's healthy. He's just he's so vulnerable to concussions because he's had so many of them. Yeah. And I worry for him in terms of his health. But, yeah, I mean, the Miami Dolphins are a team that, you know, look, they gave the Bills a hard time with their third-string quarterback in a playoff game. Right. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and the Bills are, <laughs> I guess, a good team. So, you know, it's... <laughs> And, and, I mean, and having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle as your one-two punch at wide receiver, right. that, that's fantastic. If you just need a quarterback with some sort of semblance of confidence and ability to come in, yeah. and you'll be able to be successful. Um, yeah, I agree. Moving on to another big story from this offseason. Ian Poseidon's Carolina Panthers ended up trading 
up to the number one pick for the upcoming NFL draft with the Chicago Bears, giving up a number of different picks. Uh, who was the player they traded? I, 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 I should probably pull up these the trade uh, details. Here. Yes, DJ Moore. DJ Moore. Oh, we, what what do we got here? I just got an alert. Shout out to first time chat. Black Jesus. Good morning. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, sure. I write you TV rating with twenty seven people. Thank you very much. Hope y'all are having a fantastic Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, yes, we are talking about Ian's Panthers. Perfect timing, man. Uh, he is very hype about this because obviously it puts them in the forefront for deciding which quarterback they are going to go forward with. There's three big quarterbacks for, in this draft that are being talked about to be drafted early. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson. Um, my official prediction is C.J. Stroud will be a Carolina Panther, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Money Mike, what do you think of this move? Do you think it made sense for Chicago to trade out of the number one spot? Uh, well, I I thought Chicago did a great job on this trade because they got a lot from Carolina. Yeah. Um, I, I And I heard that they want Stroud. That's what I heard. This is who Carolina wants. And I think that Houston wants Bryce Young. So really, Carolina didn't have to trade all the way up for one to get their guy. They probably could have got away with getting three. <laughs> pick number Because I don't think Chicago was going to go after Stroud. So I think they kind of overextended. But again, sometimes when you know you what you want and you're afraid someone else is going to get Like if you really like a guy and you can afford to trade up to get make sure you get him, then sometimes you're going to have to do it. So... Um, look, Carolina is one of those teams that always finds a way to go on a run. Uh, Ian has said that on our show. So, and they, I think Frank Reich is a really good coach. I think Indianapolis just kind of fell apart around him. I don't think he was the reason for their, their struggles. Um, so, and I think the Chicago bears really, really hosed the Panthers here (laughs) and got a lot out of that trade. So good for (laughs) Chicago. Although I did find it funny that a team that hadn't had the number one overall pick since like 1947 was so eager to trade out of pick number one. Like as soon as it was announced that they were the team with the number one pick, it was like, okay, where are we going to get rid of this for? Like clearly Chicago does not have anybody in this draft that they like love that they were like, we need to take them at number one. So Chicago got a lot for. They really did though. Yeah. The bears received the ninth overall pick this year, the 61st overall pick this year, a 2024 first round and a 2025 second round. My God, on top of DJ Moore as well. DJ Moore. They yeah. are building for the future. That is for damn sure. They better hit on those picks. Um, man, the Panthers must, must really want a guy. Holy shit. Um, yeah. Alrighty, well, congratulations to the Panthers. Hopefully it all works out for them. I told Ian, I'm hoping that there's one good quarterback here and the other two are busts. And I'm hoping the Panthers pick them so that the Texans and the Colts continue to suck for years to come. Um, Seems a little personal there. it's a little personal all right uh moving on to the last nfl free agent story we're going to talk about today Derek carr new orleans saints jimmy g las vegas raider money mike what are your thoughts on these moves do you think it's gonna shift anything around do you think the chiefs are finally gonna be dethroned as the afc west champs or do you think this is just gonna be more not by the raiders no if anything it would be by the (laughs) the chargers uh (laughs) uh no i don't think that it's a good move for the raiders to be honest with you i think that um look jimmy garoppolo is a guy who has had success in the NFL as a starter. He has a winning record, but I know that people argue whether or not you can attribute a winning record to the quarterback. It's a team sport. Oh no. Did we lose money, Mike? Please tell me we didn't lose him. I can't do the show alone, Mike. Don't do this to me. Really do much for the Raiders. Oh, okay. He's is he really, is he really any better than, uh, than Derek Carr? I don't think so. So like, is it really an improvement for the Raiders? In my opinion, no. You just have a guy who's more likely to get hurt. And I do like the Derek Carr move to the Saints because that division sucks ass with Tom Brady leaving. And even with Tom Brady there last year, they were awful. So I think the Saints are now going to be the prohibitive favorite back again in the NFC South because Atlanta's no threat right now. Carolina's clearly rebuilding. They basically gave up, as we just talked about, a shit ton to get this quarterback, um, whoever, whichever one of the three, I think it's going to be Stroud. Uh, but again, he's going to be a rookie quarterback with not a lot around him, so I doubt there's going to be success there. And then Tampa Bay, they were bad with Tom Brady at the end of last year. So yeah. what does that tell you? I, who are they going to replace him with? All the free agent quarterbacks that were the big names I've already signed places, so... Yeah, they're going to be looking yeah, I, think Saints, I think this 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 move is good for the Saints. They restructured Michael Thomas's contract. Um, you you have the first year of without Sean Payton out from under you, so now you can kind of have a fresh 
feel from this season. So yeah, I think that the Saints are going to be the team to beat in the NFC South. All right, Mike. Well, uh, shout out to the chat here. Black Jesus 2121 saying, how about those Miami Dolphins home team is making the playoffs this time and feeling it. So hey, uh, Black Jesus, if you don't know, Money Mike is a prolific, prolific Bills hater. So any team in that division uh, winning the division other than the Bills will make him happy. 100%. That'll be so much fun. If Miami's winning the division, the Jets, of course, the Patriots win the division, you know, I'd be stoked. So, <laughs> absolutely. And I think Miami, look, I think Miami, if Tua's healthy, is going to be very, very competitive in that division and yes. competitive in the AFC. I 100% Can he stay healthy? Agree. No, we don't know. That is no. the big question, but I 100% agree with you here. Madden also saying he's making a point for Jimmy G. Highest winning percentage of any starter in the NFL. I believe Stephen A. Smith was saying today, 40 and 17 in all of his starts so far in the NFL. That's pretty yeah, damn but, good winning percentage. Yeah, but one of those games that he won was the NFC Championship game where he threw eight passes. Eight. He threw eight passes. <laughs> He's know. really the reason they won that game? Come on. <laughs> right, that, that's the caveat. He has been on some really fucking good teams, and he hasn't really had to do much. And when he has had to do something in a high-pressure situation, he usually folds. Um, and uh, let's, let's point this out. He has two Super Bowl rings. He's been in the Super Bowl three times. The two times he has a Super Bowl ring, he was the backup quarterback who didn't play. <laughs> right, right. To be fair, they were very close to winning that game against the Chiefs. And he, he actually played pretty decent in that game, too. But you're right. You're, you're right. I, I 100% agree with you. Uh, Black Jesus says, Miami has been flopping for years. So sad. Yeah, but you guys still have the pieces, so you can only look forward, right? Obviously, it, it just took some time to build it, and I think you guys have the coach and, and the offense, so and now the defense, so you never know what can happen. All right. Moving on from NFL free agency, it is obviously not the NFL season, so uh, we won't spend too, any more time talking about a sport that isn't going on. We're going to talk a little bit about a sport that is near and dear to mine and Mike's heart, and that is uh, men's college basketball, so... We're going to start here. Well, very quickly, the Syracuse basketball team for this past season sucks. They sucked. They, they didn't even get close to making the tournament. They ended up losing their first game in the ACC tournament against the Wake, against Wake Forest, and their season is over. We'll move on from that, and we'll talk about the fact that Jim Beheim is now retired after coaching the Syracuse basketball team for 47 years. 47 years, Money Mike. That's literally 20 years longer than I've been alive. Like, like, just a mat. Like, look at this picture on the left, and look at how old that that picture is, man. He has yeah. been a staple in the Syracuse community, which is where myself and Money Mike grew up. Mike still lives there. I still go back from time to time. He has been a staple in that community for so long, and now it's time to, for the first time in our lives, see what Syracuse basketball is like without his presence. Money Mike, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I. Everyone, the general sense from most Syracuse fans was that it was time for him to retire. And, you know, look, Jim Beheim is a Hall of Fame coach. And I'm not saying that as like a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, who will someday, someday earn his way in the Hall of Fame. No, he's been in the Hall of Fame for years. He's been in the Hall of Fame since like 2005. So he is a Hall of Fame basketball coach. Um, and he has had a lot of success at Syracuse University. He led them to a national championship in 2003. Um, and They've made many Final Four appearances. They've made the championship times other than the time that they won in his tenure at Syracuse. Um, there have been some amazing, amazing wins, some devastating losses. He's had a very successful career. And just to put in perspective how old Jim Bayheim really is, uh, when he was in college at Syracuse, he was Tom Coughlin's roommate. Uh, not roommate, his RA. Tom Coughlin was playing at Syracuse football, uh, and his RA was Jim Bayheim. So that's how old, and if you see Tom Coughlin, he's an old man. So <laughs> you perspective. Um, yeah, no, it was just time. Like, look, Syracuse, everyone kind of felt that like he should have retired after last season when both of his sons went because, you know, look, some people started feeling like even before then he should he should go uh, because, you know, Syracuse is notorious for playing the 2-3 zone. And, you know, they, yeah, after they had the issues with um, getting, losing some of the wins and losing some of the recruiting things whatever that penalty was they haven't been able to build that strong two three zone with those really long tall players that they wanted they you know and so it was kind of not looking nearly as dominant and it's like are they going to go away from it no because that's jim Beheim's thing he doesn't go away from the two three zone um and so people felt like oh maybe he should retire but it was kind of understood like look he's coaching his sons this is an amazing opportunity for him but probably once they graduate he'll go and then he said well i made a commitment to these recruits because this team was a very young freshman team this year 
and uh, they just they looked like a young freshman team. And it, it sucked that Jim Beheim had to go out this way. I wish that his last game as a coach was going to be in the NCAA tournament. It's not. Um, and uh, I, I also wish that he kind of left it a little more gracefully than he did. He kind of, you know, <laughs> he kind of made it seem like the university was pushing him out the door. And I'm sorry, man. As much as I respect and admire what you've done for this community, you're not being pushed out the door when you've been there for 47 years. For 47 years, it's like, dude, you've had you've had your time. It's time for somebody else. And I can tell you this at the Carrier Dome, uh, which is not called the Carrier Dome anymore. It's the JMA Dome. But I'm one of those people that's going to call it the Carrier Dome, just like I call Destiny USA Carousel Center because that's what it is to me. Um, the first time we see Syracuse go man-to-man defense next year, it's going to be like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> We're finally catching up to what basketball is supposed to look like now. But, no, I, I have to add some thoughts here. The, the thing that always made me very impressed with how Syracuse has been able to at least have a successful program, a consistently successful program for all of these years, partially I think is attributed to that 2-3 zone because um, I think it was just a such a unique look when you played against a lot of teams in the NCAA tournament that you were able to steal some wins against against teams that were probably better than you, they, but they just weren't prepared for the length of the Syracuse 2-3 zone. So that was always interesting. But I think people, ever since Jim Boeheim retired, there was a lot of, there's been a lot of comparisons between him and Coach K and Roy Williams, the other legendary head coaches that coached throughout uh, the more recent times uh, that he's been a coach. And I think what he had to deal with that was different from those guys it's a lot easier to recruit to North Carolina, to UNC and Duke. It's a lot easier to recruit to these southern states where the weather's beautiful. You don't have to worry about trudging through snow during the basketball season and even after or before. Who, okay, we grew up in Syracuse. We love upstate New York. We enjoy it. Ian lives there. Uh, Madden lives in upstate New York as well. Fuck it's a great snow, place. Though. I, I even say that. Fuck the snow. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a fantastic place. You can experience all the seasons. But it is very hard to get someone who comes from the South, who comes from a nice weather state, to come up to Syracuse and commit to being there for four years, four of your most important years of your life, and play basketball. And the fact that Jim, Jim Beheim was still able to get those recruits kind of shows how great of a program he was able to build and how, what, how good he was at recruiting. So I think that was the most impressive thing to me on this 47-year run was that he was able to have sustained success for that long with the recruiting hurdles that he had to jump over. Yeah. And, and also like, again, uh, one of the things I also admire about Jim Beheim is that he was a big part in forming the big East, uh, which was a conference that was started off very small. The whole point of it was that, you know, none of those schools got any kind of recognition when it came to the NCAA tournament, they weren't teams that were really seen on TV much. So they created their own conference, got their own TV rights, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger over the years and gave you and I uh, and our friends that we grew up with really great memories. I still loved when I was like in middle school during the Big East tournament when Jerry McNamara was on his senior year and there were multiple game winning plays that he did. Like everybody's wearing like you walked into school, like, you know how like schools have those spirit weeks where everyone's kind of wearing like a certain thing, like a certain color or a certain costume. There, there was none of that in terms of like it was like you were told you had to wear orange but everyone was wearing orange thinking about Syracuse teachers stopped their classes to turn the game on at whatever period it was and it was just it was just fun you know it was just an amazing it was just an amazing experience I vaguely again I was only nine years old when they won the national championship but I do remember watching the you know the final four game against Texas at my grandma's house and then we watched the national championship against Kansas and I remember the excitement in the area when Syracuse won the national championship uh, with Carmelo Anthony and Jerry McNamara uh, and uh, Hakeem Warwick. Um, th- that was just a fantastic time for Syracuse. And they've, again, they had so many great moments over the years with Jim Beheim as the coach. And he's always loved the Syracuse community. He, you know, he, to- he told the story that I had heard in an interview years ago where he, Rick Pitino and their wives were out you know, on vacation, I think in like Hawaii or something. And they were talking about where you would love to live. And they all were saying things like Paris and Ireland and, you know, and, and, and all these really nice weather places. And he said, I'd love to live in Syracuse. And they all rolled their eyes at him. <laughs> oh. No, not my internet. 
Did I lose you guys? Is the stream still going? Uh, it just ended, or so- it says the stream is over. Oh no! Are we still Stream's live? Still though? Are we still live, burrito? Are you still there? This is the first time this has happened. Yeah. All right. So the stream is good, so we are all good, folks. Sorry for cutting off your thought there, Mike. Money, Mike. No, I was just talking about how Jim Bayham just really sincerely loves the Syracuse community. Um, it, it's unfortunate that myself and other fans did have the feeling at the end of his career, like, okay, it's time for him to go. But all things come to an end. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever. And it's just, it's time for a new era in Syracuse basketball. And I think that because the freshmen did that were on this team did experience a Hall of Fame coach this year and had their ups and downs, mostly downs, uh, I think they're going to bounce back next year. And I think Syracuse is going to be a much better team than they were this year. Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm, I'm hopeful of that. Last point here, and we'll move on to the NCAA tournament. There, there's someone, uh, uh, one of my buddies out here. Uh, I don't think people even out, some people out in Buffalo don't even fully understand the love for Syracuse basketball that people have in Syracuse. Um, I remember telling him that, like, Syracuse basketball is my number one. I, I root for them even over University of Buffalo, my own college. And it was just something he couldn't wrap his head around. And I told him, I was like, it was, it's exactly how it is here with the Buffalo Bills as it is out there in in Syracuse with the Syracuse Orange basketball team. Because that is the, it's a college basketball town. Everybody wears orange on on Syracuse game day. Everybody is all for those games and and tuning in and hoping that they go far. So I hope that continues with Adrian Autry filling in as the head coach. I hope the success continues, the recruits keep coming, and Syracuse doesn't fall off as a perennial, at least contender uh, in the ACC and in the country at large. I hope the success continues, and it allows the Syracuse uh, fan base to still thrive in Syracuse because it, it's one of the biggest things about the city. Yeah, it, it was a feeling of time to move on, but it is a little scary. It's like, you know, he he's the guy who was there all that time. He was the most consistent thing in what he built. So it's a scary thing, but it's also an exciting thing. It's a new challenge, and it's going to be, you know, Syracuse is in a very, um, obviously not this year, but they're in a very powerful conference when it comes to college basketball where they're going to be playing teams like North Carolina and Duke. So they're still going to be viewed on the national stage for, for quite a while. So yes. I, feel, I, I, I feel good about you know Syracuse basketball for the future. I will love still going to the games. I went to, I think, five games this year, which was more than I've gone to in a number of years. So, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to uh, be able to do that, continue to do that. What a year to watch a ton of losses. Uh... <laughs> yeah, they, they only won one game that I went to. So. <laughs> it's very unfortunate, but no, that's cool. Uh, all right. So moving on to the men's basketball championship, the NCAA championship. Uh, oh, well, shout out to Madden in the chat. He says they just signed a five-star transfer. Syracuse did, so that's always good. And he said earlier in the chat that they just got a stud from Notre Dame as well. So the players the are still from, funneling. from Baldwinville. The guy from Notre Dame is from Baldwinville. Yes, that's so. right. That's right. Okay. So that, that's name, though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's huge. So hopefully the, the team continues to be well. They are not in the, in the NCAA bracket here. Uh, but this is going to be an exciting one. This college basketball season has been so wild. So many changes in, in the top 10. So many different teams falling to lower-seeded teams or unranked teams. It's just been so much flip-flopping in the rankings throughout the entire season. Yeah. With this bracket, we have four number one seeds in Alabama, Houston, Kansas, and Purdue. Four solid teams. I've told you and the guys more than once, My the team I will be rooting for in this bracket is Alabama. And that is because the head coach of Alabama is Nate Oates, the former University of Buffalo head coach, who brought us to, I believe, three or three NCAA tournaments um, and has won us numerous and won us numerous MAC titles. So I'll be rooting for him as I believe no other New York team has made it into into the the field there's no syracuse no st bonaventure no buffalo uh um, colgate 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 ended up making it they're in here yeah they made it they're playing texas in the first round oh man all right shout out to the toothpaste colgate hopefully they can get us a dub for new york but this is going to be a, a fun one mike I, i'm very excited before I, I let you give your thoughts pat mcmahon our, our go-to ncaa basketball analyst gave us a few picks uh, that everybody listening, if you're a gambler, 
and you want to play some money on a team going far, a team winning it all, I would suggest listening to these picks because Pat McMahon knows what he's talking about. We'll start with the, uh, I asked him for three teams that he favors to win it all. So he is favoring Houston, the number one overall seed. UConn, which is an interesting one. UConn has kind of been a, a little bit of a, they, they've been out of the picture for a little while. And then now he also says Texas. Money Mike, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I would love, I mean, I obviously, uh, I root for Texas football. I don't know why I said obviously. It's not like people who know that I really like Texas. I'm not like some guy on social media always, you know, showing my love for the Longhorns. But uh, uh, I would like to see Texas do well. Um, I like, obviously, Houston's a very big pick. The biggest thing with Houston is that they, their star player, Marcus Sasser, was out in their conference championship, and that's why they lost. And he had a groin injury, so I don't know how much that's going to be a factor. But I definitely think if you're filling out a bracket, Houston is a team you should expect to go far. And, hey, if they make the Final Four, the Final Four is in Houston. And it's going to be hard to probably top them if they're playing in front of home home fans. Um, UConn is interesting. Uh, not a little bit of the three, that's the most surprising. Um, but UConn was really good throughout this whole season. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that is very interesting. So... Um, obviously Houston, as I said, was the obvious one, but uh, Texas is the one that excites me the most. I apologize if you said this already, but Texas, obviously your number one team going into this tournament, you'll be rooting for them the most. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Oh, or, or, or you're more into their football team than their basketball team. Uh, yeah. I'm more into their football team. I, I really, the, the basketball team, cool. Good for them if they make it far. Um, and, uh, I, I, again, this, this the thing about the NCAA tournament Syracuse isn't in it. I'm not as emotionally invested um like it's cool that you have that like pulling for alabama because of the coach from ub and it's interesting to see alabama as a number one seed in a basketball bracket and like it's not we're not talking about football here alabama's at the top <laughs> of basketball too now which probably causes a lot of uh hate for alabama from the alabama haters from football um but uh, a team that I always kind of like, I don't know why, I've always liked them. Um, maybe it's because we beat them in the national championship. So it's like, ah, you know, I have no hatred. Toward I like, I've always liked the Kansas Jayhawks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a good team uh, this year, man. Every time I've watched them, I'm like, man, this is a complete they have a team that's led by some good seniors. They're the defending national champions, which yep. is why I'm not picking them to win in my bracket. I always pick Kansas to do really well. But, you know, the fact that they're the defending champs is like, eh. It's gonna be, you know, it's it's harder to repeat in college. It's hard to repeat in any sport, but it's really hard to do it in college basketball. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say that Texas, Kansas, I'd like to see do well. Um, and uh, yeah, I really don't have any other teams that I'm like, ooh, I really like them. I'd like to see them do well. I guess, um, well, from a personal standpoint, I picked Purdue in my bracket at work to win, so I'm kind of pulling for Purdue to do well. <laughs> <laughs> From that right. standpoint. Well, that's fair. And uh, real quickly, before we keep going, I want to share, Pat also gave us three sleepers. So three teams that he thinks will be able to make a run. Uh, he okay. thinks there's a path for Creighton and Michigan State to make it to the Final Four. And yeah. then he also says that there's a path for Kent State, the MAC representative, to make it to the Sweet 16 in this bracket, which is interesting. So they would have to defeat Indiana, and then they would have to beat the winner of uh, Miami or Drake. Wow. So Miami, he, he sees Miami most likely falling to Kent State. That would be very interesting. Would be. And, you know, the, the thing about this is I, I'm not as emotionally invested because Syracuse isn't there, but I'm playing around with this as we're talking on ESPN.com. And there's a lot of interesting second round matchups if these teams win. Like, so you'd have Kentucky versus Kansas State. Duke versus Tennessee would be a really good game because the SEC was really good this year. So Duke, Tennessee is a really good game. And I agree with him on Michigan State. Michigan State always finds a way to do really well in the NCAA tournament. And the second round, they'd be playing Marquette, who's had a really good year. Um, TCU, Gonzaga would be a good game. Kansas, Arkansas. Um, Texas versus Texas A&M, the in-state rivalry there to see them play in the NCAA tournament would be pretty cool. Um, Creighton versus Baylor. Miami versus Indiana. So there's a lot of like really intriguing matchups that can happen throughout this tournament that I'm really excited to see play out. And like you said, to start this uh, whole topic, there were so many teams that were ranked number one this year that fell. Um, and there was a lot of parody this year in terms of college basketball. I'm pretty really sure was. for I the mean... first first time, the preseason number one didn't make the NCAA tournament. UNC was snubbed out of a UN, or a, out of a spot in the NCAA tournament, and they declined the NIT in pure yeah. sore loser well, I... fashion. 
<laughs> yeah, I, the NIT is a joke. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to go either if I was in North Carolina. That was shocking. <laughs> I was surprised they didn't make it. I was really surprised that North Carolina did not make the NCAA tournament. But they didn't have that great of a year. And unfortunately for them, they don't even get a chance to try to do what they did last year, which was go to the national championship game. Um, and I can say from witnessing them in person, they're not very good. I mean, Syracuse almost beat them. Syracuse should have beat them, and Syracuse is bad. So <laughs> <laughs> Syracuse is certainly um, bad. Duke Duke is interesting because they have really they haven't lost a game since all their players came back, and they won the ACC tournament. They have their rookie head coach, um, so Duke is very interesting. It's just that lower left bracket, the Eastern bracket, is so stacked. Yeah. There's so many good teams that Duke's path is really hard. You have in this alone, you have Purdue, you have Memphis, who won their conference. They beat Houston, be it without Houston's best player, but they still beat Houston, who's a good team. You have Duke, Tennessee, Kentucky. Um, Kansas State, Michigan State, Marquette. So there's a lot of really good teams in the East uh, bracket. I think the East bracket as a whole is the best in terms of everybody that's included in there as a group. Um, and I think the weakest one is the Midwest. Even though Houston's the best team, I think that Houston has kind of like the clearest path of the number one seeds in terms of yeah. competition. Well, the path that's says Texas point. is a favorite to, to make it to the championship, man. So who knows? Uh, you know, that'd be great. I know Matthew McConaughey would really be uh, all about that. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's the bracket for the NCAA tournament this year. Every year, this is so much fun, man. Everybody loves to tune in to watch for the upsets, watch for the Cinderella stories, and hope that some crazy story comes out of this bracket. And this year, at another day of sports podcast, we are going to introduce a little challenge for anybody who has been hanging on and listening or watching this podcast and anybody listening after I post this as well. We're going to do a little bit of a bracket challenge. We're going to do it through ESPN. I'm going to set up the group, share the link on my Twitter at uncle drew 15. Um, I'm also going to, I'll, I'll share it on Facebook as well for anybody listening who, uh, who wants, who doesn't have Twitter, but wants to join the, the uh, bracket challenge. There's going to be a prize for this. The, the prize is going to be either a $25 gift card to anywhere your choice or a, another damn sports podcast t-shirt. It's your choice. Obviously, for some people who already have the, the shirt, including Money Mike here, he'll choose the gift card. But to, for, for whoever wins it all, you'll be able to choose <laughs> whatever uh, prize you would like. The Sir Burrito Banda is hype. You missed out on the t-shirt the during the Super Bowl challenge. So you'll be able to turn it around here. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah and you know what's cool is there's a gonna be games in albany so there's games in new york for anyone local that wants to go see some ncaa tournament games they still have tickets for sale yes madden in the chat he lives in albany he should go to the games but should be an exciting one here uh gonna be a lot of uh exciting matchups and a lot of upsets i think this season because of the parity in the rankings throughout the entire season a lot of these teams are going to be evenly matched so it's gonna be a lot of good basketball uh hopefully for everybody listening and watching you enjoy yourself some basketball if not at least fill out that bracket so you can win the prize. Uh, Money Mike, any final thoughts on the, the bracket here? No, not really. I mean, really, anybody you pick is, you know, again, not anybody, but there are a lot of teams that you could you could pick to win the championship in this bracket. And when people ask you, who'd you pick? Oh, I picked so-and-so. Oh, that's a good pick. You know, like, there's not going to be – I remember there was one year, it might have been a couple years ago, where everybody picked Virginia. It felt oh, like everybody picked shit. Virginia, and they lost in, like, the first game or the second yeah. game. And it yeah, was the first game. Fun. It was the year they lost to the 16th seed, right? The UMBC loss, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty pathetic. But then there are the years where, like, you know, there's the clear favorite, like when Anthony Davis was on Kentucky and everybody picked Kentucky, except for yeah. me, I picked Kansas because I always seem to pick Kansas. Um, <laughs> so, except this year I didn't, uh, but I did last year. So, woo. Um, yeah, the uh, there's no op real obvious pick. I mean, I guess if there was an obvious pick, it would be Houston. Um, but with their best player being kind of like questionable, they're not as easy to pick. Uh, I know in my work pool that we're doing, a lot of people who submitted their brackets were picking Alabama. A lot of people. So I have Alabama going to the final four, but losing to Purdue. Um, and I told a friend of mine who went to Purdue for his graduate work, I said, I picked your school. They better not let me down. And he sent me this picture that said on the left side is Purdue in the regular season. And on the right side is them in the tournament. And on the left side in the regular season, it was like this real life, beautiful horse and on the other half it was the other half of the horse drawn in like pencil and really shitty pencil like as if i drew it <laughs> so, 
That was his way of saying he doesn't really believe in Purdue, but but I do. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Money Mike believes in Purdue. I will most likely be picking Alabama. We'll see when I fill out fill out the bracket. I'll be posting the link out to the bracket challenge. Now you guys have to act quick if you want to join. Uh, you have to fill out the brackets by by I believe Friday. Mike, is that when the the first round matchups start? I know the first four doesn't matter. First four are playing tonight. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, Thursday. Thursday is when the first games start. So it's Thursday, Friday for the first round, uh, and the second round will play out on Saturday, Sunday. Okay, so you guys have. I'm gonna try and post this podcast immediately after we're done here. You guys will have like a day and a half to fill out your brackets. Yeah. So and uh, uh, just since we're recording this live, this is you know new to this year for this podcast. Running back David Montgomery agrees to a three-year deal with the Detroit Lions. So that was breaking NFL news live on another damn sports podcast. There you go. One more free agent signing to go over for you all. Shout out to Dave in the chat giving us a subscription and saying March Madness in all caps. He is hyped. Dave, real quickly, since you didn't hear, uh, if you want to fill out a bracket, the prize is a $25 gift card to wherever you choose or in another damn sports podcast t-shirt. The winner will get one of those too. So if you want to join and for anybody listening or watching wants to join as well, I will be sharing the link on my Twitter and on my Facebook. Hopefully you all join. Should be fun. Uh, Money Mike, it was fun to do another episode with you. Obviously, these off-season episodes are a little weird because we're not talking as much football, but it's a good time, right? Absolutely. I love March Madness. I love uh, NFL off-season talk when it comes to these free agency signings. We've said many times, a lot of times the NFL off-season is more intriguing sometimes than a live sport that's going on. So, (laughs) yeah, that's just the way it is. Uh, but no, it's always uh, fun to chat with you about sports and uh, and everything. So yeah, I love doing these shows and can't wait to do uh, more of them. Yes, we will definitely do some more throughout this entire off season. Shout I out can't to, wait everybody. For Steve to be back. Yes, yes, I can't wait for Steve to be back as well. Always adds a great element to this show. Shout out to everybody in the chat: Dave, Burrito, Black Jesus, Sword Moss, Reed, Sword Moss, Reyes, Madden. Everybody who has supported us on the Twitch stream has been awesome. Shout out to Shirai Ryu TV for the raid. Thank you for all of the subscriptions. Thank you to everybody listening to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We very much appreciate all of the listens as well. I hope you all enjoy your the rest of your NFL offseason. I hope you enjoyed not having to listen to us buffoons on a weekly basis. Um, and I hope you all enjoy the NCAA basketball tournament. Take care, everybody.